0: My cousin Linda, um, her mother is my mother's sister. Uh, Linda came to see us a couple of weeks ago with her husband. And um, we, we decided to go and try to find our the graves of our ancestors. Her mother, Linda's mother, my Aunt Ruth, had, um, had made some <clears throat> rather scary, scant notes, sometimes kind of cryptic notes about where family members are buried. But we knew that one note was pretty clear that at the Beulah Baptist Church in Boaz, uh, the Copelands are buried. So we went to the Beulah Baptist Church and sure enough, right across the street in the cemetery, uh, we found Wink. Copeland and uh, Viola Webb Copeland. That's my great-grandparents. My mother's maiden name was Copeland. So we found Wink and uh, Viola Webb and lots of other uh, family members. Now the other one, my, uh, my mother's, mother's family, was a little harder because the notes were really cryptic. It was in, they're buried in Blunt County uh, at mile marker 39. Well, there are a lot of roads in Blunt, in Blunt County. So we drove uh, to Aniata. We went to the courthouse. I thought maybe there would be, you know, record room or something. And uh, so we went to the courthouse. And a real nice uh, deputy there said, I, I, and I told him, that, so the note said that, they, that the, the Murrays, that's my mother's mother's name, that the Murrays were buried there in Blunt County at mile marker 39. And uh, so I went to the courthouse and told him that, you know, I live in Huntsville. We're looking for the graves of our uh, ancestors. And he said, I tell you what, he told us the funeral home to go to. So he told us the funeral home in Aniana to go to. And we went and they were real nice. And I told him that uh, we were looking for the graves of the Murrays. And I said, the note says that they're at the Mount Moriah Baptist Church Cemetery. She said, and I had Googled Mount Moriah Baptist Church and I couldn't find one. She said, well, there is a cemetery. It's not Mount Moriah Baptist Church, but there is a Mount Moriah Cemetery. And you go up Highway 95. We had just came that way, but we turned around and went back and stopped at the Covered Bridge. You've been to the Covered Bridge near We We drove across that as gently as I could drive, because I, I was I didn't quite trust it. But we did, took a picture, and oh, it's a beautiful. it that doesn't have anything to do with Lazarus, but it was a fun fun time <laughs> for us. And then we drove on ninety five a little bit, and sure enough, at mile marker thirty nine, we turned off the road and went up a hill. And there, at the top of that hill, is the Mount Moriah uh, Cemetery. And we found E.R. Murray. E.R. stands for Erastus Rowley Murray. And Sally Cruz Murray, his wife, my great-grandparents on the other side. And we found some other people. We found my grandparents, and we didn't know we were going to see them. Lon Murray. So the the Copelands, Wink and uh, Viola Webb Copeland, they had a little boy, and they named him Alonzo. They called him Lon. And the Murrays, the E.R. Murray and Sally Cruz, they had, a, they had a little girl they named Bessie. And Lon and Bessie fell in love, and they are my maternal uh, grandparents. It was such an interesting day for us, and we again found some other uh, other relatives. It was such an interesting day. Not a fu- I wouldn't call it fun. I would call it sacred cemeteries are are sacred space holy ground there were times when uh, we got a little misty just thinking about their stories and imagining what their stories might be we found some surprises again there were relatives that we did not know uh, that we'd find their graves but I tell you one surprise we did not experience In neither cemetery did anyone sit up and walk out of a grave alive. Neither cemetery. In a minute, we're going to talk about a man who did one day, but before then, let me me state the obvious. And I'm not trying to bring us down after such a good musical service. I'm not But let me just state the obvious. One day, somebody's going to be looking for your tombstone and mine. One day, there is going to be a, a grave somewhere and a tombstone with your name on it. Now, I'm hoping that we've been talking about building a columbarium here on the property so I'm hoping to get me a shelf, a drawer in that uh, columbarium with a real pretty plaque on there that has my name and my dates. Because I, I love the church and I'd, I'd love for my eternal cremains to, to rest here on this property. <clears throat> when we were walking around those um, cemeteries, you know, we... We did kind of imagine what their lives might have been like. Think about it. So there was Wink Copeland, who our, the family notes say was full-blooded Native American, And he married um, Viola Webb. Now, I wonder, what did, uh, what did Mr. Webb think when Viola came home and said, Daddy, I've fallen in love with an Indian, this is how she would have said it, I'm sure. I, wondered how, I wonder how he thought about that. But they got married, they were probably teenagers. So when E.R., Erastus Rowley, and um, Sally Cruz, E.R. E. Murray and Sally Cruz, when they fell in love, probably teenagers. Both these families built lives together. They, they worked the farm together, and they had kids together, and they, they made big decisions together, and they laughed together, and they cried together, and they had full lives. But now, on earth, their names are rarely mentioned. One day, you and I will breathe our last, and there will come a day when our names are rarely mentioned. I hope that's not a sad thought. I hope it's a, um, I hope it's a wise thought. James 4.14 says our lives are but a mist that appears for a little while and then it's gone. Psalm 90 says, remember to teach teach us to number our days or to remember our days are numbered so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. There is wisdom in knowing that we are mortal. There is wisdom in knowing that that we're not going to be here forever. It helps us to live with a, a healthy sense of urgency, remembering that life is a fleeting and fragile gift. I hope hope that's not a sad thought. I hope it it makes us wise to remember. John 11. So we're we're walking through the story of Jesus as told by John. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have to hit fast forward because we're going to end up uh, the Sunday after Easter. We've got a long way to go between now and then. But John uh, 11 begins with these words. Now, Lazarus was very sick. If we pick up with John 10, Jesus and his friends are over the last, over the, uh, the, uh, the east side of the Jordan River. And a messenger comes from upcountry, from Bethany, from a little town near Jerusalem. That's where Lazarus lived with Martha and Mary. And they sent a messenger uh, down the hills to the Jordan Valley and found Jesus and um, and they said, the one you love, isn't that really interesting? The one you love is really sick. Lazarus was, was Jesus' good friend, as Miss Kristen told us a moment ago. Jesus often went over there to, uh, to hang out with Lazarus and Mary and Martha. He would withdraw from the crowds. And Jesus loved Lazarus. And when When the messenger came and said, the one you loved is very sick, Jesus turned to his friends, and this is my favorite line in the whole story. Chapter 10, verse 11, verse four, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. Make a mental note of that. This sickness of Lazarus will not end in death. We're gonna circle back to that uh, in a few minutes. So the messenger came from Martha and Mary, the one you love is very sick and said, cancel your travel plans. Don't go anywhere else. Come straight to Bethany. It was this time of year in 1996 when Carrie and I were going through the Birmingham airport. We were missionaries in Nigeria. We were living at, at, at uh, Samford University where I was teaching on an adjunct basis and uh, they called us missionaries and residents. We had been uh, to Richmond, Virginia to the, the home office of the International Mission Board where we had gotten training to return to Nigeria and work among Muslims. We had, I had been teaching at a seminary. We were going to go back and move to Kano in the north and work with Muslims. So we had had a week of training. We were flying we had flown back into Birmingham. The car was in the parking lot. We were going to drive to Gadsden where Carrie's family was but as we were walking through the the airport. Uh, I was paged over the PA system, and it said, "Travis Collins, pick up the house phone." These are the days before cell phones were popular, and so I picked up. Uh, I picked up that phone, and it was Carrie's father who said, uh, "Travis, your father has had a terrible stroke. Don't go to Gadsden." We need y'all to go straight to Anniston. And so Jesus and his friends are deciding what comes next. When a messenger shows up from Bethany sent by Martha and Mary and they said, Jesus, Martha and Mary told me to tell you, don't go anywhere else. Lazarus is really sick and they need you in Bethany. For reasons we don't know, Jesus delayed for two days. And then by the time they got to Bethany, Lazarus had died. Now, in Jesus' day, when someone died, they buried them almost immediately, as quickly as they could. They wrapped them, kind of like Egyptian mummies. They put uh, spices on their bodies, and then they wrapped them, and then they, they buried them. And then the mourning began, the M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, the mourning began. Sometimes they would hire professional mourners to express, because we have a hard time expressing our grief, they literally hired people to express their grief for them. So the first week was a time of intense mourning. Families would gather, of course, neighbors and friends would gather, and they would mourn together. Jesus arrived four days after Lazarus had died. The morning was still heavy. It was still intense. It was dramatic. Jesus is approaching the house. When somebody said, Martha, Jesus is on his way. Martha ran out of the house, ran down the road and said, Jesus, if you had just been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus answered, I'm the resurrection and the life. And, and people who believe in me, though they die, they will live. In other words, loosely translated, those whose hope is in me, they will die, but they won't really die. You get that translation? They will die, but they won't really die. Mary, right behind Martha, same thing. Jesus, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. And something happens next that Jesus got caught up in the moment. Two of his best friends have now questioned his priorities. And then the neighbors begin to speak. John said that one of them said, I saw Jesus heal a blind stranger, a guy he didn't even know. Why did he not heal Lazarus? So now can't you just hear people starting to murmur and whisper? Yeah, what about what you? So imagine, so the, the morning, the questions, the accusations, and John, who's telling the story, who's seeing all this happened, looked over at Jesus, and Jesus is crying. So John, who could have recorded that Jesus should have done this or shouldn't have delayed John just stops and writes two of the most powerful words in all of scripture Jesus wept and I love I love that second stanza of that song O O Ye Great Conductor of Unknown Hymns I love that, that second stanza Shoot, I'm going to read it. When his friend was lost, when love deceived, dear Jesus wept. God was bereaved. So with us in our grief, God grieves and round about us mournfully. There are the tears of God. So I, I can't chase this rabbit too far, but it's an important rabbit. When life come crash, comes crashing in, when, when your dreams are broken and your heart is broken, you can ask God questions. I think he's okay with that. You can even get a little angry with God. I think he's okay with that. But the better course, would, would it not be to see God grieving with, with us as children? To know that he loves us so deeply that he grieves with us? So John... Instead of of chasing the questions and the accusations, he just says, Jesus wept. Well, we need to know a little little bit about Jewish tombs and burials in Jesus' day. Some some tombs were hewn out of rock, out of limestone with, I guess, their version of pickaxes. They They would dig entire rooms. Sometimes people used... Caves for the tombs. Either way, there would be shelves along the wall. And, and so when someone died, they would take the, the body in there and lay the body out. Wrap it, of course. And then a, a year later, they'd go back. The body has decomposed. They would take the, the bones and they would gather them. And they would put them in an ossuary, a, a, a box of bones, and, and put them alongside their ancestors or their loved ones who had preceded, preceded them in death. So Jesus comes, Lazarus' family had a cave. They've rolled a stone in front of the cave. And Jesus, you know, Jesus walks over there. And he tells them to roll the stone back, which is probably a, like a, a four, I'm trying to find the right word, a, a picture of what's coming rolled the stone away and Jesus cried in a loud voice and, I, and somebody asked me after the 815 service why did he have to cry out loud I don't know but he did and he said he said Lazarus you get up and come on out of there and, and, and sort of like an Egyptian mummy from a black and white movie Lazarus came walking out and Jesus said now get that wrapping out from around him and let him Let him move around freely. In John 5, remember, Jesus called Lazarus by name. He didn't say, hey, you. He didn't say, hey, buddy. He didn't say, is anybody in there? He called him by Lazarus. John 5, 28 and 29, Jesus speaks, the time is coming when everyone dead and buried will hear God's voice. This is the message translation. Those who have lived the right way will walk out into a resurrection life. Those who have lived the wrong way into a resurrection judgment. And nobody but God himself knows how this works. But there is coming a time when everybody listening to me will hear your voice or your name called. God's going to call your name. And, and, and we might as well acknowledge before we move on, it ain't going to be all high fives and handshakes on that day. Because John, in John 5, the Bible says that some will be called out to, to eternal reward and some are going to be called out to judgment, which means there is on that day going to begin an eternal separation from God, the mystery of which is matched only by its gravity. In John Grisham's novel, The Testament, it begins with the words of a miserable billionaire who's about to take his life by jumping 14 stories. But he writes a suicide note and he says, I'm ready for the hereafter. It has to be better than this. No, it doesn't. Everybody is going to hear the voice of your creator. Some called into eternal reward, And some into separation from God himself. A moment ago, I said uh, the most important line to me in that whole story is John 10, 4. And it reads, this sickness will not end in death. Let's talk about that. Lazarus is very sick, the messenger said. And Jesus turned to his friends and he said, This sickness will not end in death. Now, that sounds like Jesus doesn't get how sick he is. It sounds like Jesus is underestimating the gravity of his illness, but that's not the case. What he's saying is because we know he said it to Martha, Lazarus is going to die, but he's not going to really die. So, if I ever get the news from the doctor that I have a terminal illness, now I don't know how I'm going to go, I may go quick. But if I ever get the news that I have a terminal illness, I'm going to claim this verse. This sickness will not end in death. But please hear me. By doing that, I will not be saying that I'm not going to die. I will not be saying the diagnosis is wrong. I'm not going to say, be, be saying, doctor, I'm going to show you. What I'm going to say is, yes, there will be a moment when that heart monitor sounds an alarm down at the nurse's station and they say, uh-oh, we better go. There's going to be a time when my brain wave will flatten and my lungs will cease to expand and contract. I will die, but I will not really die. You with me? You are out there. That's good. (laughs) So that by the time that a few of y'all have come, and I hope some of you will come. And say nice things to my family. Assuming, assuming they come. If You'll come <laughs> and say nice things to my family. By that time. By the time there'll be a handful of them gather. Billy, I'd like you to come and sing something, would you? Out there, if we go to the columbarium. If we have that. And they, they shove my cremains into that drawer and lock it. By that time, I will already be relishing a life beyond my imagination that the Bible calls heaven. Because one day, I will die. But I won't really die. And that is better than any medicine and any. Medical technology, any cure. This time a year ago in New York City when they were overwhelmed and overcome by death. When the hospitals had more death than they could deal with when there were makeshift morgues in Central Park. There's a Catholic chaplain at Bellevue Hospital, Robert Bath, who was interviewed, and he said this, listen, People are looking for a miracle when the miracle is to let go. Call me too practical. But I don't pray they leap out of the grave like Lazarus did. I think we're meant for better. We're meant for God. Well, I do pray for healing for those who are ill. And I know if I ever get that diagnosis, I'm going to ask for a little extra time for myself. I'm sure I will. But in the end, there is something better than a cure. There's something better than medical technology. There's something better than what Johnson & Johnson and Moderna and everybody else can come up with. There is a, an assurance that though those, those of us whose hope is in Jesus and not in our own goodness, that we will die, but we will not really die. I begin by telling you about that Nostalgic trip through the cemeteries and finding the Murray's and the Copelands Well, let me tell you uh, let me close with a story that some of you've heard me tell before about Maude Murray Copeland my mom When she was uh, in elementary school Remember she's uh, she's in Blount County and uh, I don't know if she'd ever been out of Blount County but her elementary school was taking a trip to Montgomery, to the state capital, which would be like you and me getting an invitation to go see the queen. So, um, all, I'm sure all the families, the kids made their plans. That morning, my mom, my mom was late to school. And I I don't know uh, exactly why she was late. My hunch is she, I know she had to do her chores. But she was late. And when she got to the school, the school bus had already left. And she wouldn't find out until later when they got back. And one of the kids told her what had happened. And this is what happened. So the teacher had her roll. And and she's reading down the roll. Make sure, you know, everybody's there. So she called one little boy or girl's name he or she answered here and then another name here and then she called Maude Copeland that's my mom and some little girl who was overly eager and was ready to go to Montgomery and knew they'd have to wait on Maud when that teacher called her name some little girl in the back of the bus said here And the teacher, not looking up from that roll, went on down the roll until there was a here for every name. And I reckon she turned to the school bus driver and said, well, they're all here, so let's go. The dust hadn't cleared well when my mom showed up, probably carrying a little bag of biscuits, if I'm right about that. And the bus was gone. Can you imagine? little Maud walking back that dirt road to the farm and everybody else had gone to Montgomery. On a Thursday night in 2004 I was sitting at my mom's bedside when she breathed her last breath and at her funeral I spoke and I told that story about my mom as a little girl and the teacher calling her name, and somebody else answering here. But I said at her funeral, on Thursday night, the creator of the universe called my mom's name, and it was she, Maud Murray Copeland Collins, who answered here. And she awoke from her brief, temporary slumber in the presence of the creator of the universe. Because she died. But she didn't really die. And one day the creator of the universe is gonna call your name and mine. And we don't have to be afraid we have to trust Jesus and not our own goodness and I'd love to talk with you about that in just a moment uh, Esther's going to play while she's playing not yet but I'm going to invite you to stand and I'm going to invite people to come forward just like the Helms did last Sunday to be part of our church family to say hey I want to talk about this hope that you have that I'm not sure I have It would be my honor. And even if it takes after everybody else is gone, we'll stay. But I'm going to invite you to the courageous decision to step out from where you are, to be a part of our church, to talk about what it means to follow Jesus. And I'll meet you. And there are going to be some other ministers down here. We'll meet you. We're waiting for you. While Esther plays. Would you all stand, please?